0: Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience Presented by Onyx
1: So, EXO guys, they're in town And uh, we got Mark and... Steve with us from XO, E-X-O, Mountain Gear. And today we're just going to go over some different topics. So we, 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 we've we talked to elk for what, five podcasts right now? Yeah, we'll six. talk elk for five, six. So I say we six. talk elk.
0: <laughs> or something <laughs> of that, of that I mean, nature. Get some variety <laughs> in there. Yeah, let's go for a dozen.
1: No, but um, so just in the recent years, as a lot of people know that maybe listen to us or follow our stuff, I've been kind of getting not away from bow hunting, but into rifle hunting as well.
2: Steve, you have a rifle hunt that you did this last Same year. Same story, man. I mean, I, for from 18 until 34 years old, I didn't even own a rifle. Like, what? I did not own a rifle. I had a pistol. Had a shot. It. Had shotguns, but I did not. I just didn't rifle hunt period didn't want to become and a I never and I didn't like when I was 18 is when I started getting in like quote-unquote into hunting right I mean I did it from as a as a teenager but very casually right with the the one trip a year we'd walk around the deer woods and not kill anything um so from when I started taking hunting serious I just was 18 and never had a rifle and oh. uh so yeah it, a few years back but picked up a rifle and it's been fun I, for a lot of years I probably looked down on rifle hunters like ah, that's too easy whatever you know <laughs> And it's it's been fun and and killing an animal. I mean, I can say it's the same level of excitement as a screaming bull coming running into 10 mm-hmm. yards, but it's it can be. I mean, it, I've had fun. I'll just put it that way. Cool.
1: Cool. And Cody, in the last little bit too, like blacktail hunting. You'd never really hunt with a rifle until this last No,
3: yeah. Short so while. when I was 12 years old, I had a was the last time I had a blacktail rifle deer tag in Oregon, and that was cuz my birthday was in October and I couldn't bow hunt that first year. And then, yeah, at the age of 38, I got a rifle tag again for the first time for deer. And it was awesome. I had a great experience. And it was, you know, and that was even, I think for me, that was a solo hunt. So it was like, you know, when I actually killed one, it it was just instead of a group, which I love group hunting, don't get me wrong, but like something about having a gun in your hands and like, you're just making all the decisions focused on what's going on. It was, it was really rewarding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's a, it's a whole different and we talked about this in some earlier podcasts as far as it's a, it's a whole different skill level. Right. And and I'm not saying we've got the bow hunting thing figured out by any means, but at the same time, it's just a different thing that you can Different challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a blast. I've enjoyed it. Um, Just getting into it the last few years, And heavier and heavier, and then kind of going, kind of dabbling in the long range stuff, and having fun with that, and then kind of pressing your 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 outreach on your bullet is so much fun. And it's just shooting steel. Like Trevor and I will go out and we'll just you know shoot at steel. And I he did it years ago, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? And anyway, then I went out and it was it's a blast, dude. Just smack and, and actually aiming at something, you know, a 10 inch, whatever plate at six, 800 yards and, and actually executing that shot. It's pretty fun. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's something that's really gratifying, but let's get back to the hunting side of things. It's like, what does, what has changed? Like Mark, let's actually, what, what is your barrier yeah, I mean, to entry on the rifle side of things?
0: Yeah. I grew up, you know, in Midwest, right from Missouri. So, um, rifle hunted growing up for whitetails, but everything there was, you know, essentially where I hunt in Southern Missouri is kind of big woods. So it's a lot of like, you know, hunt with grandpa's lever action, 30, 30, right? Even rifle hunting, it's, you're shooting them anywhere from 10 to 70 yards most commonly. Like I've probably killed more whitetails at 30, 40 yards with a rifle than anything.
1: So do you guys have to do the shotgun thing or not? You can we use... We
0: don't. Yeah, you don't. there's bordering you states like... You know what like I'm talking about, right? going away um it's just so much more open um in illinois they don't do rifles at all it's shotgun only there's several states in midwest that are like that but missouri's full rifle Um, and then yeah last year steve and i together uh, was the first elk hunt with a rifle so when i started hunting elk it was archery only and had only uh, done elk specifically with archery Um, had you know in 2019 did caribou and sick of blacktail and some you know, other kind of Western-type hunts with a rifle, but not elk up until last year.
1: So tell me, like, run me through real quick a normal archery season preparation and a normal rifle season preparation,
2: just in the weapon, just in the weapon. Steve? Um, I mean, there's no doubt that a a bow takes more practice, especially if you're new to the sport, right? Like, just, there's a lot going on with a bow, you just put
1: your pin on it and pull the trigger. <laughs> pull the
0: trigger. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Right? Sounds oh, like a rifle yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> you just pull the trigger. You just yeah. put your pin
2: on it. Uh, to me, there's just a lot. It just, you know, 100%. You can't. I could hand a, a sighted-in rifle to a guy, and he could go kill an elk tomorrow. You can't do that with a bow, right? Correct. Uh, and you could probably, you know, not shoot a rifle for a year and go out and execute a really good shot at 500 yards with a bow. That's going to be, you know, a 50 yard shot after not shooting for a year would be a feat, a feat. yeah it'd be impressive yeah something yeah. you wouldn't want to do you want to practice more um but at the same time i, I kind of had that you know in my head going into be sighting sh- sighting and shooting and hunting with a rifle but i still practice every bit as much as i do with a bow like it's i you know mark was just in boise a month ago and we took off to the hills and set up steel target and not one shot was prone, right? I mean we were shooting four, five, six, seven hundred yard, seven hundred yards at every shot was different angles and, that's and awesome. I got it a free was lunch by so the way. So much nice fun work. and yeah. nice learning how to call the wind. Or
0: uh he had, I forget what the scenario was. Oh, it was the
2: first shot. It, it hit was hit at first like, shot at like eight something. And it was like you're not gonna hit it. Because it was windy. Like we yeah. were at ten to fifteen mile an hour gusts that's and eight hundred yards. That's, that's a lot. Um yeah, he, he nailed that thing. What for guns are you it. shooting? For elk Caliber,
0: yeah, yeah, caliber. Yeah, I uh, last year on that uh, elk hunt I was shooting a thirty out six. Okay, um, and then this over the past year I built a seven SOM. Nice. So that's what I'm going to take uh, this year for elk.
2: I killed mine with a 65 PRC last year. Okay, and now I'm going back just to a Creedmore. I'm pretty recoil sensitive, recoil pansy, and just going to pile some elk up with the Creedmoor. Hundred percent. Yeah.
0: I think going back to prep, it's. The, the barrier to entry to rifle is lower, but you can also take it to that extreme level if you want to, right? Yeah, so I when you talk it. about the guy who, you know, compared to a guy who walks into a bow shop and he has someone set up his bow for him, mm-hmm. that's one bow hunter. The other bow hunter is doing all the setup himself and he's tinkering with you know different fletching configurations and testing spine and doing all types of tuning. Like there's that deeper level in an archery guy, and it's the same thing with a rifle. You can hand a side to a rifle. To someone and they can execute or you can go off the deep end and start reloading and doing all that 100 um, which yeah. i've done so to me rifle prep could be way easier but back to what steve said yeah. it hasn't necessarily been like i still put in as much work if not more work for rifle hunt just because i am doing load development and all different things like that
1: that's awesome and i think i think that's that style or that's that side of things it's like the rewarding side, like you said, at hunt's so much more rewarding because I practice all season coming in. Yeah, I mean, the whole bugling thing is a di- whole different deal, obviously. Yeah. But it's the rifle thing is like getting close enough for the shot and then, okay, is that in my effective range? Anybody can shoot, you know, but is that, can I hit that and and can I be accurate at this shot and everything? And that's what I've really enjoyed about it as far as like... It still presses you. It's still, like, it's still one of those things where you still have to execute. Yeah, I'm still, like,
2: very much excited about ready to pull the trigger. Oh, yeah. Like, when the animal beating. goes down, it's a full-on high-five, ho- yeah. hoot and holler. And, like, I, for some reason, I thought it wouldn't be that. Maybe. Oh, really? I don't know. Probably as a bow – when I was a bow hunter, like, and kind of snobby towards rifle hunters, right? <laughs> like uh, No, and I yeah. think – yeah, I mean, and you can
3: have that approach – uh, of, like, taking the same intensity level of thought process and hunting yes. of bow hunting into this border rifle hunting. Yep. And I think there's an advantage of a pre existing, if you've only bow hunted your entire life, and then you pick up a rifle and, you know, extend your season. There's great opportunities that across the West where outside September you can go hunt with a, a rifle. And I think that's probably for me most intriguing instead of like being limited to that one month where you can hunt elk or big game or whatever that is now there's opportunities
2: i mean all, plenty october yeah. and november into december in some states yeah part, part of that for me was just having two little kids at home and it's like okay i can't just be gone all of september now but it's easier to be like one one week here one week here yeah. one week here spread out over three months right um yeah it's been fun i've had a lot of blast, like a blast doing it and diving into it and I, I didn't know how far off the deep end you could go oh um, man and end of reloading and just you post know, something. PC, you know, and run it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like we've bow
1: hunted, and it's like, oh man, this is awesome, you guys. You know, every, you know, a lot of times, what's your arrow grain? You know, what's the grain of your arrow? What broadhead are you using? You post one rifle video, not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> you're shooting what? Oh yeah. man, what grain are you using? A powder? And you're like, what the heck? They come out of the woodwork saying, okay, that's that's not enough gun for that animal. And I mean, it's just so much all over the board yeah. on the rifle side of things. Yeah. What's your what's your take on? the caliber per animal you know i i i I wrestle with it i honestly do i i i like the magnum, like for bigger for bigger game and stuff like that i like like a 300 win mag or a 28 nos or a bigger a a, a bigger caliber um i shot a i shot a bull in wyoming with a 6.5 creed and i i mean i had four shots you know in a pie plate and it didn't even fall over i mean it just stood there and just kind of walked and stood there and then it went down then it got back up again stood there walked and it was just really it it just didn't seem like it had that punch to where it was just like hitting an animal so hard that it has that shock value i guess okay and and the bullets zipped right through there was two just inside the the hide on the other side of the you know it, it did its job no no doubt and it was gonna and the animal died you know humanely and everything but at the same time it was like it didn't have that shock and awe, you know, we were, we were practicing with steel here. Oh, it's been just this last bear season, Cody and a whole crew was, and, um, anyway, we had our 308s, you know, and we were shooting our 308s out there and we had a gong on just, a uh, on one of those stands, you know, and it was a 10 inch gong on a stand and we were shooting it at 500 yards and, you know, ping, and it would kind of sway and everything. And then my dad showed up and came up there and he he goes, oh, let's shoot this 28 nozzler at it, you know. And it nearly took the whole stand and yeah. nearly just about knocked the whole gong around the stand. I mean, it just blew the whole it, thing almost over. It was over. like, it, night and it, day. It, it
3: was like from a 22 to a, you know, sh- I mean, it, it just was night yeah. and day difference. We saw so, that so, when
0: we were shooting. Like, I had right. my Psalm then and Steve had the Creedmoor and just- yep you see that energy on Star. and you just yeah. think yeah.
1: about that like i mean you, know, you can just kind of i can visualize it in my mind slow-mo when it hits the side of something and then all that shockwave of mm-hmm. devastation you know and so in my opinion that's kind of what i want as far as that goes uh, on a bigger game animal um but That'd
0: be like a good band name for a metal band shockwave of devastation like yeah that. yeah <laughs> you, you
1: want to start a band yeah i think so we can do that we can like do it. that definitely so um but anyway yeah so that's my that's that's just my take and is it right wrong or indifferent probably not but But it's
2: just the bull you shot from the creedmoor i mean the first shot it would have died it just correct it didn't go down as fast as you wanted right
1: right right. and 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 it's one of those things where it's like i want to see them not suffer as little as possible but have the best chance of recovery like Mm -hmm. i make a say i shot it in the guts with that or something of that nature or maybe maybe in the liver you know um and it didn't just just hammer it and just you know really do damage to the hole inside of it and and it just poked a hole through that then you know are you are you um are you um tracking that thing you know for miles or what what happens there so, so th- I don't know. That's my take on it and um right now as of now uh 6 hour who that's the that's the the um maker that we shoot as far as that goes, we don't have we have 3 and 65 Creedmoors and then like a 277 Fury which I would love to shoot that, honestly, but there
3: again.
2: Am, am, am ammo. ammunition. <laughs> it has
1: been an issue.
3: <laughs> been a really issue.
0: issue for everybody in the last, you know, year plus, right?
3: Yeah, it's definitely, I think there's a lot, like when you said you're going back to a 6.5 Creedmoor and you're going to elk hunt, it's definitely, you know, there's going to people interject their own opinions as to, man, that's a poor choice or what, you know, whatever it is. Um,
0: There's so many variables to that, right? Like distance and placement and what angle you're willing to shoot, especially at a big game like an elk, and what bullet you're using and how it's constructed. And that's, I feel that one thing that's been uh like frustrating in a way is people hear things and like make assumptions and there's no true like context involved or in they don't have an experience with
2: that caliber so they're gonna yes. say oh
0: no yeah right I, right, I,
2: right. Yeah. I, I just like from a if i slip a 400 grain arrow through an elk it's gonna die and if i slip a 6.5 cream or bullet through an elk's lungs it's gonna die like i, right. I just don't I, I understand that it's not gonna knock it over and hit with the same force but it's gonna die
1: the other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up too is like when we were shooting that 308, and I did a shooting competition in Mo- uh, Montana here, not too awful long ago as well,
0: and we shot the 308s. And you won, by the way.
1: No, not that competition. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> you say Montana? Yeah. I was thinking the Wyoming. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, no, not that one. And um, but anyway, I mean, we were shooting against a bunch of pro shooters. They're shooting like six, five, six point All these just seas, yeah. yeah yeah it was amazing and we're shooting 308s and we got a wind and it was a long range uh a long range competition and i mean sometimes we're shooting at 950 yards and i was holding it was so much wind i was holding like like 27 feet off the target to try to drift it into the target and these guys with these six fives and stuff they were holding just like a half a plate off the target and just cruising their bolted in there and smack and so it was just like night and day and so i mean I, what, what i'm trying to get at is like in a windy situation hunting situation know what you're shooting and know exactly how much that thing's going to travel they say like the 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 drop of the bullet is is the um what is the saying there cody the drop of the bullet is uh the calcu- like the science yeah, behind shooting the and, science the and the art and the, the art
0: is the wind Yes. Yeah. wind and the i mean it's a game changer just with you know, obviously all of us as bow hunters with experience know the value of a laser rangefinder. But, you know, we started using the last couple of years binoculars with the rangefinder built in. And not only is it giving you range, but the binoculars know your rifle, your ammunition, how it's performing. And so it literally gives you your hold, right? Right. So yeah. Being able to not only get a range and say, OK, that's 430, but also have that system for your specific rifle and ammunition tell you, you know, it's MOA or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Distance in that sense, like you said, that's the science part and it's the wind is the massive variable.
1: Right. And you can do so many things like, you know, we have kestrels and stuff like that, that you can measure wind, but it's, you know, you've got a Canyon, you've got two different ridges that come this way and that we had some at that shoot. It was unbelievable because all the wind down this one Canyon was going one way. Well, there was one target that was beyond the ridgeline of the and it actually drifted the bullet so much the other way because the wind currents were coming totally different, and it was just a, a real, real trippy kind of like, okay, you kind of went, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna account for this much wind when it wasn't even, it wasn't even a factor at the longer ranges because it was behind originally. It was so crazy, but, <laughs> and that's where it was like, you really get to see if that was an elk or an animal, I would have wounded the heck out of it, yeah. you know? yeah. or missed yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. So. It's just a different deal as far as
3: what I mean, since we're on this long range topic, like where do you guys feel the ethics side of of life lie with
2: with long range shooting with, you know, as a bow hunter, I used to shoot animals at 90, 100 yards. I shot all the time. I was very, very accurate. I don't do that anymore because I don't shoot like I used to. Right. I'm not competing in 3D tournaments all the time and shooting five days a week. I'm more 70 yards now. I say is my 60, 70 is my max that I feel comfortable with. Um, and as a rifle hunter, so I don't want to be too quick to judge somebody else's skills that I don't have, right? Like, you know, maybe someone a 1,000 yards is like me shooting 300. I don't know. But the little bit of experience I have shooting long distance is that wind variable. And it's, I don't know how, I mean, I'm sure some guys can get good, but it's still a guess. And it's 100%. It's, 20 30 40 inches of wind drift 100 percent that i just don't know how you shoot a thousand yards unless it is dead calm and flat ground but if you're in the mountains and i just don't know how to do it ethically yeah, yeah.
0: there's like some ranges too where literally time of flight matters right like you, your bullet is in the air for a while and even an elk taping taking one step is like a good amount of vo- movement right yeah. so these right. extreme distances that's another factor that's that levels the playing field for everybody. I don't care how good you shoot. That, that animal variable of movement is a real thing at extreme ranges. Um, Coriolis. Same with, the, yeah. same with yeah. the bow, same with the bow too. True. Yeah. 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 yeah one, same thing. One thing that's, you know, there's there's eighty yard shots with a rifle that I would be more concerned taking than some three hundred and fifty yard shots with a rifle, right? And it's the same way with a bow. It's like, what's your heart rate like? What's your position like with a rifle? how steady are you? Are you using a front rest? Are you offhand? Are you using an improvised rest like over a tree branch? Like there's all these variables that you have to consider in realistic hunting situations. And I think that's why, you know, the practice is important. That's why you got to get in the mountains and, and get away from a bench and even get away from shooting prone and really put yourself in positions where, you know, I do it at the range quite a bit where I'm sitting and shooting you know how my pack stood up right yeah. and then you're shooting off your pack with it vertical or kneeling or you know leaning against something because that definitely changes things
1: that's where we've had a ton of fun lately just after going to a couple of these competitions because every single stage that you go to like there'll be a stage with like those big spools that hold uh, like wire like big wire and so and there'll be teetery spools and you have to shoot off these spools you know, so your gun has to be rested on the spool when you shoot and just different stuff like that. And like you said, there'll be like a hula hoop. Your whole body has to be inside that hula hoop to in, for, in order for you to break the shot, you know, and you're shooting at 600 yards and you're all cocked around with your knees, you know, all Indian style with your pack over your, you know, in your, in your armpits. And it was a really learning, you know, obviously in a shooting scenario you're going to try to find a better at an animal obviously but it really made you like okay like the closest shot on the whole match was i think it was 242 yards but you're shooting that offhand that's all offhand shooting so Mm. it's like it really pushed us to really kind of think outside the box and then when we came back home we're setting up our own stages now like getting up on a landing and then going and placing steel or doing shooting at rocks at different and then timing ourselves that was another thing like okay you have to dope the Dope the shot, dial, figure out when, and you've only got this much time to do it all in, and, and that's what's made it kind of fun, you know, a big like competition a little bit just between ourselves. It's been, and,
3: and I think so too, like fun. the ethics come in is like, what's more ethical, a guy that's shot a lot knows equipment can you know knows precision on what to dial for versus a guy that pulls out the gun right before opening day shoots at one time at a hundred yards at a milk jug, yep, I'm on, and then takes a four hundred yard shot at an animal. Right, yeah. And that's you know, right. Like, oh, hold
2: the foot over its back. You yeah. Know, like and but, what, that same guy he's maybe on on social media, you know, bashing the dude that just killed something at a thousand, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> the, so the, I
3: mean I think that there's yeah. It's just it's it's definitely like all about I think what you said is like not judging someone's abilities that you don't have right. per se or perspective right. um what's the worst your, parts
1: what's your take on effective range you
3: know i mean like me personally where i feel comfortable is like every time that i know i can pull up and hit that gong, 10 inch gong at every single shot or you know first shot for sure you know for me is in that four 450 range where i'm like it's a long ways. It's, yeah. it's long but i you know shot more in that stuff but when you start going shooting 700 yards like i'm out i don't have the i don't have the wherewithal to make that shot every yeah. time you know
1: but with practice you could right yeah I, exactly I think that's the thing that we're kind of getting at too is like with practice with a bow you know yeah i've always said i'm never going to shoot over 60 yards but could i probably maybe i don't mm-hmm. know depending on the scenario depending on the wind depending on the angle
3: do, do you think your background as a bow hunter
2: makes you a better rifle hunter versus like if you were a good rifle hunter and then coming into bow? No question. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the opposite experience, but coming from bow to rifle, I mean, I was you know basically instantly successful. Right? Like every rifle tag I've had, I filled in the last three years, uh, except for the sheep one last year. Um, but so, what is
1: what is that? I guess what it. I why- think
2: that's a hunting forces you to look at animal animal behavior, how they're moving, what they're doing, forces you to pay attention to the wind, how you move through the country. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, to me, everything's more critical as a rifle hunter. I mean, uh, wind is, I don't even know if you have to pay attention to it unless you're still hunting through timber, right? right yeah. Where the shots are going to be under hundred. But if you're in, you know, all the places that jump into my mind that I've hunted in Idaho, like it's, you know, just go like, ah, oh, it's in the morning. I'm not going to. Thermals are going down, I'm not gonna hunt down, but I'll hunt side hill and then that's it. That's yeah, I mean the last bull, thing i pay attention to. Yeah.
0: The bull I killed last fall was a good example where, you know, even little things like it was that mid morning thermals were starting to switch and we were literally, you know, trying to close the distance on a herd, much like we were bow hunting, and it was when, you know, thermals were dropping here and thirty yards away they were rising, right? Based off of sun exposure and things like that. And we knew we had to circle around in side hill we used a creek draw to our advantage where we knew the wind would be more consistently falling because we were below the elk and then we worked up that creek drainage. And I don't, you know, I'm not saying that rifle hunters don't have that experience, but very much felt like we were bow hunting with a rifle in our hands because we're in close proximity to a herd. We're worried about, you know, eyes, ears and noses and working in that short range, circling around, trying to get on their elevation. I mean, it's all the things you do as a bow hunter to close the distance into bow range that, you know, there's some rifle hunters who just, again, not saying they haven't done it, but it's not as common to have to rely on that. Yeah,
2: I've just approached rifle hunts like I'm bow hunting, but then just yeah. use open spaces to my advantage, right? And to me, that's yeah. been
1: what's been so much fun. It's like yeah. I don't know if I'm using the right word, but you kind of feel invincible. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got this. <laughs> yeah. Confidence you know? high. I, yeah,
2: soccer. I love having range finding binoculars for rifle hunting. I haven't used them at all for bow hunting. Right, but you know, you're constantly in your glass, and, and I'm just ranging, even if not an animal. Like, oh, that hillside, you know, that's 400 yards. Something's in range there. It's going to die. Yeah. Right. I, was, right. cause I'm, I can do I We're, that. like, dropping down before we killed Mark's bull last year. We're dropping down this finger, and there's two fingers each side of us, and both of them were in range. So it was like, even though we're going after this bull, we're full-on paying attention, right? Like, because if an elk's right here, it's dead. Uh,
1: what? So you drew a cheap tag this year.
2: I did? Yeah. yeah
1: drew a sheep tag this year and you just told me yesterday you're gonna rifle hunt there's no way you're giving a chance to bow (laughs) where where where's the where's the mindset on that as far as like where does where does this jump off factor of throwing the bow down and picking up the rifle where does that start is it in difficulty of the hunt is it in have to be successful is it in what does that look like
2: yeah uh for this specific hunt I drew a, a Bighorn sheep tag in the Frank Church Wilderness in Idaho, and it's it's just commonly known, you know, one of the tougher hunts in the West, right? Like yeah. low success, saw, low success percentage, um, and guys are gonna spend you know 15, 20 days in there before they get their opportunity. Um, it's just a, and it's rough, big, rugged country. So that one, I, I didn't even bow, it didn't even cross my mind. No. Uh, I mean, there's been people that have done it. Don't get me wrong. I just um, for me this time in my life the kids at home works busy it's like i just need to minimize my days out there as, as much as possible um, on other hunts i think mark and i talk about this all the time about identifying predetermining what you want to hunt to be going into it so am i there to kill an elk as fast as possible and get elk meat in the freezer uh, and get back home am i there to have a really good time like we were to all go on an elk hunt, it'd be like, to me, more casual, like, let's just have fun. Um, am I there for some hunts? I just want like a really physical challenge. Um, and so maybe that is, yeah, bow hunting and hiking in some stupid distance. Because I, I get a lot of satisfaction and reward out of the harder the hunts or the, the harder hunts are the most memorable for me. Um, Wouldn't so having to a bow me, in
1: your hand be even harder?
2: Uh-huh. yeah for on the sheep hunt absolutely that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. like that one's already hard enough that was the that deck was stacked the against me yeah I'm, yeah I'm gonna go with the rifle um so i just you know i'm more uh, yeah pre, before, there there's a lot of years there was just all about success Right, i just right. wanted to be a successful hunter and now it's like okay i've turned the page to where it's like i, I know i can be consistently successful what's how much fun can i have on this hunt right like same I as it? as being a Uh, you know bow hunter snobby bow hunter looking down on rifle hunters I was also like the guys that didn't hunt hard I was like ah, you lazy you know like come on hunt hard and now I'm like "Ah, you know what those guys were just having fun like getting up in the woods and having fun and going camping with their buddies and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like if you're obeying the laws and hunting legally I don't care how you hunt anymore like what because hunting's different for everybody and that's and I do that now like going into a hunt, I'm like, all right, this hunt, we're just gonna have fun. I don't care if we kill something or not. It's just about having fun. We'll sleep in, we'll drink whiskey at night. And then right. and then the next hunt two weeks later is like backpacking in ten miles, intense, you know, like it's like you're playing a chess match chasing a high country buck or something. Right. It's focused all the time. And so yeah.
1: Where's your Cody? Where's your where's your pick up the rifle?
2: Um
3: I mean, if I had a choice, like obviously okay Got a tag in Oregon, per se. Like, I I was sitting at the point where I had the points to draw any good rifle tag or draw a bow tag, and I chose a bow tag for elk. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that, like, overall, I'm probably going to lean further onto the bow side of life. But, like, what Steve's point is, is like, there's only certain opportunities that you can get done in September and it's a smaller calendar window and so maybe family things go on like I have no qualms going on a October November rifle hunt for elk or you know and deer I've kind of got my butt kicked so many years it was like kind of frustrating to not kill a you know late season blacktail it was like felt really good to finally kill one of my bigger bucks you know and like have that experience and fill a tag and it Yeah. It was, it was super rewarding. I mean, I like, I've never like looked down or done anything, but I always like, ah, it's not for me. And I really do enjoy the opportunity. It's just more, it's different. It's the learning phase again. You know, I think, I think we've all kind of gone through the cycle of picking up a bow and hunting with a bow. Like we've not tapped out where we're at, like as far as, but it's, it's familiar and it's, it's easier. So something new in the rifle side of it is, it's really, I, I enjoy that, like, new challenge, new trying to figure it all out.
1: You draw a sheep tag once in a lifetime. State of Oregon.
3: I will take both, and I would try with a bow and, you know, like, assess the situation. If it's like, we spot a ram that's like, that is not in a stockable spot, but that's a ram I want to kill. I would not be, like, disappointed that I had to shoot it with a rifle. Or I shot it with a rifle.
1: Do you think that's changed in the last five, ten years?
3: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
1: What made yeah. that change?
3: Um, I think kind of Steve's aspects, like, not judging myself on it. Like, not thinking that it's a lesser, and I, I never really looked at it being a lesser accomplishment, but I kind of felt maybe that it was. But now that I've done it, I don't see that being the case, mm-hmm. you know
1: wouldn't be as excited if you shot it with a gun, whereas if...
3: Previously, yeah. But, I mean, when... when, Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't have a ton of rifle experience in killing. I killed a couple bucks last year with it, and both were, like, super exciting. Totally different scenarios. Um, You know, one by myself versus one in a big group, but it was like both of them were awesome. You know, and I,
0: I was jacked. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Mark? Uh, part of the appeal to rifle hunting to me, I mean, I enjoy shooting and now reloading and all that stuff, but it's, it's creating more opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd love to go chase elk with my bow in September and then also have an opportunity in October to go chase elk with a rifle, right? So it's like yeah. if I don't have to pick, I don't want to pick. I want to do everything. I want to do both. Like those certain instances where you have the opportunity, uh, like the trips I've had to Alaska where it's like you can take a bow or rifle, you can do whatever you want. Um, so far I've done those with a rifle for several reasons. I mean, even group dynamics come into play. Like our caribou hunt, for example, was my first trip to Alaska. Um,
1: did you, you guys rifled that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We (laughs) rifled that. That was a, that was like, we've got. A one-week hunt and, and seven six tags, six yeah. tags to fill. Six tags. Seven so it's like from, tags, from an
0: efficiency right. level. If I was there by myself <laughs> for a week, right. yeah, to hunt for <laughs> me. Well, <laughs> some, I would some guys brought bows, bow. oh, so it. we're like, all right, and we're
2: like, I had no problem packing a rifle, marked in either. And yeah. it's like to fill all these tags, we'll you know bounce yeah. back and
0: forth. A little so better. yeah, if you ha- it, to me, it's like a big opportunity. Whether it's a, a tag you draw or what have you, the time factor. Like if you can take the time and have the time and you know not be selfish but you're hunting by yourself especially or you're the only tag holder or what have you i'd love to take the time and try to get it done with a bow when you can right but if you have six tags to fill in six to seven days on a trip to alaska
3: I'd well the cool thing, thing is like record. there's still some states wyoming montana you depending on the unit and the draw and all that you can archery hunt it yep in early season and then late season you can rival on it that's and perfect you know, you have the opportunity to go back. Trent's done that before he went back to Wyoming after not filling in in September and killed a bull, you know. And I think that's kind of one of those things. Like, if you're solely a bow hunter, like, you would not have killed that bull. You would not have filled the tag no. in Wyoming.
1: The opportunity and, is awesome. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I mean, and there's a whole, you know, I mean, like I said, calling a bull, screaming in with a bow, incredible, right? Cool. Last year when we were in Montana, we, we got a rifle hunt for elk, like after we deer hunted for a couple days. And I, I, well, I was in an area that I could deer hunt or elk hunt and I cut tracks, elk tracks in the timber. And for three hours, four, it took maybe like almost four hours. I cut these tracks, follow these tracks. And then all of a sudden, like I smell them, I'm in fresh tracks. Like so I know at one point, like it's going to be game on. And I finally got up broke over this ridge and I hear elk and I get to a spot I all these elk come out 80 yards and I'm just like it was all cows there's you know I thought I I saw some bull tracks early on and they split off and I could never catch up to them but I had a herd of elk at 80 yards and like I was like I was so excited about that I filmed it all and I'm like oh man if there was just a bull here It would have been super rewarding, like as much as calling a bull in by yourself, killing with a bow. Like, I there was no doubt, like, the sense of a hunter is like, I felt like the predator of like sneaking, stalking, figuring out where they're going. Okay, looking, looking on onyx. Okay, they're gonna, there's some like in this country, it was like all timber and then it butted up to some private timberlands that had a clear cut in there. And I'm like, if I'm gonna get a chance, it's gonna be probably yes. in that zone and that's exactly where they're at and it was it was exciting Plan like i was together. i right. was excited that's yeah awesome.
0: i was super spoiled i mean last year my only rifle hunt but it was full on september action like bull screaming working a herd and we first spotted them from i don't know how far away mile A mile <laughs> away <laughs> yeah and then ended up shooting them at 70 80 yards that's like full so cool. screaming bull so it's like it was the full experience of september essentially with a rifle in your hand would you <laughs> Would you be as jacked to bow hunt if elk didn't bugle or call?
2: Yes.
1: Well, not as
2: jacked. I'd love but I, I'm as jacked to bow hunt mule deer and other species, right? Yeah. The no, I.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm just thinking from a standpoint of you, you know what they do, you know what they uh, habits as far as mule deer is cool because you're up in the high country. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a different kind of scenario, I would say. So elk in September, if they didn't make any noise at all would you be as jacked to hunt them?
2: The bugling part's just awesome. So yeah. I,
1: the answer's got to be no,
2: I wouldn't yeah. be as jacked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I, I was just thinking about that. Like, what if they didn't bugle at all? Would I be like, definitely rifle hunting this thing, yeah.
2: you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bow hunting would be tough if they didn't give themselves away. I mean,
3: so, anyway. I mean, since you guys were all somewhat relative new, if if a listener's here that if it's only bow hunted and you know maybe has vacations tight next year they they can't squeak in a september hunt like what would be the steps
2: or encouragement for them to take the first step on a rifle hunt what would you suggest i mean buy a gun start shooting and just go do it it's it's pretty simple to me um yeah because it's fine if you're gonna have fun doing it i guarantee it like just even the process of buying the gun dive into calibers and i mean that's a you could do months of research on that if you wanted to it's it's just been fun so um yeah i think like a, a goal for me to, as a hunter is just to be a very well-rounded hunter i don't want to just be good at killing elk or just mule deer or anything like that and adding rifle to that arsenal just gives more opportunity for that and and just a different weapon and being proficient in a lot of different ways and it's it's been a lot of fun doing it
0: yeah yeah i think what you said cody about 400 yards 450 yards is very achievable for guys Uh right yeah with technology now totally with technology you know ballistics of things like it's a very doable and i think i wouldn't encourage anyone to set that as their limit if they don't practice there but i think anyone can do that if they put in some time and have yeah
3: in a relative short order really short order you know you yeah. could
0: and so yeah i would encourage that guy like Dell cunning like have some capabilities out to 400 that you have true confidence in like you've been there you've done it you've tested like all the stuff we're talking about shooting off a pack different positions do all that stuff from a tactics perspective i, I don't think you have to necessarily change a ton like i think you do need to be aware of like situations you were talking about tracks in the snow and obviously probably a little bit more reliant on glass and things like that at times and not so much calling but the base knowledge you have as a bow hunter on how to locate elk and all that don't feel like that's gonna be thrown out the window either right right? like use your strength and then just try and add some to that versus thinking you got to start over i
1: was just trying to think of like some of the best hunters i know Dan Bowers probably that have mm-hmm. killed yep. giant blacktails and elk can go anywhere and hunt yeah. our rifle hunters. Uh, Lampers same, yeah. guy, I mean, same kind of thing, just a straight up killer. And it's like, I don't know, you know, they dabbled, they also have bow hunted and everything, but they're just killers and kill big, big animals, which I'm not saying that's the ultimate goal all the time, but at the same time, it's, it's the, some of the better hunters I know are rifle hunters. Really, Yeah.
3: And too, like, I think, for us, what really prompted the rifle was spring bear opportunities. I would agree, you know, but out of state, uh, like in Oregon and, in we've, Idaho's got a great spring bear opportunity, Montana. Um, and that's a cool time to get out in the woods and see like the landscape looks totally different in the spring than it does in the fall. It's the new life starting coming out of hibernation and, you know, plants and flowers. And it's just another different experience. And, very, you know, I mean, spring bear is challenging to kill with the bow. Um, it's, it can be done, it but is. it's
1: it's enjoyable with a rifle in your hands. And it extend your seat, you know, another thing to extend your season, right? Yeah. Another thing to be out in the woods more and mm-hmm. be out in nature.
0: Become a well-rounded hunter like Steve Speck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean just uh He's just dripping with the with the variant of just being the best all-around hunter, probably in the country, probably Yeah, yeah. world. World, World let's not stop there <laughs> we, need, we need to get yeah. him on a turkey hunt uh, oh yeah.
3: dude. <laughs> <laughs> just real quick
1: what is your take on turkeys Steve
2: uh I haven't done it since college it's been 15 plus years since I've hunted turkey it was fun then it was fun we had like um just it was really good public land where it was just turkeys everywhere um probably comparable to good private land just Cody's got some it was, pretty darn good yeah, it was public f- land dial. it was fun man it was like I mean the you know freaking calling them in and running around and but we we used to pack like a double bull blind so we'd try to set it up real quick and throw the decoys out and then call them in and running trying to do it with like a bow with like, no
3: decoys is awesome yeah like you have to get that set up just right to where that bird's going to come yeah. in
1: and yeah. uh, you know that's we, how I've I disagree it 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They come in, they see the decoy, they're not focused on you, and you just blast them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, um,
2: but yeah, if it was like, if turkey season was in September, it's like, uh, no, I'm not turkey hunting, I'm chasing out. No? Yeah. That's oh, the bull of the spring, Cody. Bulls of, of the spring. Bulls of the spring. Yeah,
3: that's it. <laughs> we, we, we had the grand <laughs> question last year during turkey season that it was like, all right, if you could only hunt one thing the rest of your life, would it be um, a turkey the size of an elk, or an elk the size of a turkey? <laughs> could I you imagine a like, turkey the size of an elk, yeah, like, yeah. like a
2: velociraptor I'm walking around? <laughs> you know, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm going with I'd the, go the feather bigger. on that thing would have to be giant. Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh man and they gobble and when they drum just shake your chest
0: i'd love to see the fly down too yeah, I know. yeah. i'd treat. have to use a
1: bigger beaten wing i mean yeah yeah no I, I so getting back to like the rifle versus bow things and is there any other um i don't know tips maybe tactics for people that want to get in that th- what I feel about it, honestly, is like the technology in bow hunting. Let's say, man, let's just say 10 years. Rifle hunting has just been like, I mean, even back growing up for me, we d- there was no range finders even really. So it was like, well, you missed. Aim a little higher in the yeah. next shot. Just go yeah. a little higher. and And now it's just so much, same with the bows, right? They've gotten such good technology. I mean, they have pins that actually can read your, you know, the that Garmin site, you know, whatever yeah. it is. That, oh, range can, dial, that yeah. can dial for you pretty much and, and um anyway, but where does technology go too far in the in the hunting side of things? Mark?
0: Oh yeah, just throw me at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously everybody's gonna have different opinions, right? There's, I just want to know, hear yours. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like I don't feel like I've personally pushed that limit myself where i've had to face that if that makes sense right i don't feel like i'm using anything that i've kind of considered um there are rules you know things like uh, in idaho for example it's illegal to have electronics in your scope and on one hand that can affect things like sig's bdx system but on the other hand that can affect uh an an illuminated reticle for example right So there's like technology pieces, like an illuminated reticle that I don't think give you some sort of unfair advantage. And that's, I think where I run up against things, anti-technology that in the end, uh, like glided knocks is an example to stick with archery. It can help people recover animals that they have shot. It's not making the hunt, you know, too technical or unfair or giving the hunter too many uh tools right Right. if that makes sense um like a gps tracking yeah yeah that's too far uh what do you mean by gps tracking there was
1: like uh i can't remember the name breadcrumbs bread
3: yeah think something like that they had it in the
1: knock yeah and a bluetooth to your phone so that would actually you could track your arrow
0: to me the the whole technology piece to me is silly because i don't honestly want to use any more technology than i have to right right (laughs) especially hunting like in a backcountry situation i want things to be as simple as possible to have fewer electronics and fewer batteries and fewer all of that stuff so i just personally haven't considered a lot of stuff like that or thought much about it you know to me the the capabilities of a rifle that can allow hunters to take game at distances that are pretty extreme the system's capable, and that's what, to me, is dangerous is people not understanding that the capabilities of the system and the capabilities of the shooter are two drastically different things when it comes right, to a rifle. Right, yeah. And so that's where it's it's up to the shooter's responsibility to understand what are their capabilities, because I've I've been there and done that and shot at 800 yards and 1,000 yards, and I have first-round hits, like we are talking about at 800 or whatever. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go do that, because I've right. done it first round, and I've there's At home we have a range I shoot with a buddy and it has a target at seven seventy. And in most like I'd probably say eight or nine out of ten times that I go shoot there, that's the first thing I do is take a cold bore shot at that and I probably hit it eight or nine times out of ten. Cold bore. But doesn't mean i'm gonna do it right like I because would. i'm sitting there you right? <laughs> know i'm you know i'm Depends sitting there and, is, I'm right? prone and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff so yeah it's a you know it's an endless kind of conversation
1: you mentioned the sig bdx system and it's interesting and it's been like i've asked the question of like why because they shut it off at they cap it at 800 yards Mm -hmm. It won't work after 800 yards unless you go through a bunch of different modes and and different stuff and like that. But on the normal Sig BX, um, on the app and everything, you click. If it's 801, it won't give you a hold in your scope for it. And it's like, who should make that call, right? Well, and Mm
3: then, like, their argument is, like, at that point is when atmospherics really really come come into play. And so, like, that system doesn't cover it, so they don't feel...
0: They're giving the true solution. The true, ac- true, true Correct. Yeah. Yeah. solution. Correct. Simplistic solution. But it's
1: interesting, you know, to yeah. think about. It's no, just like interesting. It's, Is that, should that be my call? Should that be their call or that? You know, it's just yeah. a different thing to think about, you know. And, yeah. it, and it comes back to ethics. And I, I think you guys made a great point as far as, like, you know, I can shoot that far, but... It doesn't mean i'm going to at an animal
0: yeah. mm-hmm.
3: and also looking like where's your energy fall off you know where where's the bullet just fall apart yeah yeah
0: that's a one thing that's been interesting to me you know growing up shooting rifles but not taking a deep dive into like advanced ballistics and reloading and all that stuff until the last handful of years is no matter who you listen to there's quick quote-unquote experts even on that debate alone on i've seen that over here steve i you get guys who are in the school of thought where they look at minimum kinetic energy, right? So they'll throw around numbers of like, oh, it has to be 1500 foot pounds per elk. Um, and whatever that number is, people put a lot of stock in the energy numbers. Yeah. But then there's a completely other school of thought where, like, yeah, the energy doesn't matter. It is what is the minimum expansion velocity of that bullet, that specific projectile. Right. And so then other guys will say, no, this bullet expands at, you know, down to 1600 feet per second and it may only be carrying 980 pounds of energy, but the boat's gonna expand so it's worked. So there's all there's so many debates in the rifle. Right, world. that's for right. like
1: that six point five creed. It's hard to beat it for I mean for all for muzzle velocity, but also for just the bcs of the bullet it's but pretty it carries, amazing yeah. yep. over like a 300 wind mag or something of that nature yeah. it really holds together really yeah, you, really you well.
2: dive into the ballistics of a 6.5 prc and it's impressive because awesome. it's launching the same bullet 300 feet per second faster it's it's, it's crazy. impressive yeah. but yeah um jumping back to technology for me it's there's this interesting debate of the, like i'm in idaho so we're like fixed blade broadheads versus mechanical the same
1: Almost the same um, size. Yeah, so one, one click
2: ahead now. I've but, always yeah. shot fixed blades, but I and you know I basically I owned an archery shop and tuned bows for a lot of years. And um, guys, the, to me, the question is: Are we better off with a broadhead that won't fail and guys that have very poor accuracy with that, or are we better off with guys basically shooting very accurate arrows with broadheads that may fail? Right? Like what? To me, I think yeah. you could argue still field point through the lungs is going to kill it versus a broadhead through the guts a fixed blade broadhead through the guts i there to me it's an interesting topic right very interesting um yeah like i think the vast majority of bow hunters would be better off with expandables and I, i i don't know what the percentages are but i would guess there's less wounded elk problem is do guys now feel more capable do they feel more confident even though they shouldn't to shoot further because they're shooting these better groups, right? Do they, Mm -hmm. do they have a self governor that says, okay, I'm shooting fixed, fixed blades. I should only shoot 50. Oh, I got an expand. Well now I can shoot 80. That's like, that's where it gets really sticky. And then the same thing with rifles. Like if I'm all for technology that increases my accuracy at 400 yards and my chance of a hit, but then guys are going to naturally go, well, if I can do that at 400, then I could shoot 800. Right. Um, and when they shouldn't be so it's it's really sticky i kind of like what sick
1: does with that frankly there you right, right. It's, yeah it's just it the personal responsibility and, yes. and yeah. actually that's, holding yourself accountable that's for just that. half of
3: the state of the nation you know it, yeah yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah that's 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 a whole different that's it's crazy because it's like a chip shot right for some of these guys that were shooting at that i was shooting at the competition i mean these guys were 1200 yards and like a It was about a nine mile an hour wind and they were hitting it almost every shot. And I'm like, How is that even possible when I was with a three oh eight arcing them in there just like (laughs) how far was I off that time?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even see it. (laughs) Most time didn't see
1: it. (laughs) You know, I'm just like, dang it. Have
3: you guys shot in pairs where spotter you guys have worked as Mm -hmm. a team spotter shooter? Game changer. Like seeing
0: misses. And that I mean that even like going back to cartridge caliber debates, that's a huge benefit to shooting not more caliber than you have to like so you you know a guy who shoots a big magnum and isn't going to shoot it much and maybe doesn't know how to control the rifle well in terms of recoil yeah maybe better off with something smaller deadly because he's you know less prone to flinch and things like that but essentially staying in the scope and seeing your misses matters and there's there's guys who say well yeah that only matters if you are shooting six seven eight hundred yards but i would argue Know it matters because you could shoot a bullet 200 yards. And if you can stay in the scope better and be back on target quicker, you're going to have that follow-up much quicker, yes. right? So things like that get overlooked in the whole discussion um, of being really efficient uh, with a rifle even.
3: Yeah, Well, no, I think that's, that's
1: a great point. Staying in the scope has been a huge, huge, like, I would always... Pull the trigger and just pull my head up like Did I get him? Did I yeah. get out? Did I you know? And that's been uh, just a huge discipline to keep your head down and to really follow that trace and try to pick up that splash or wherever wherever it's at, it's been it's it's been tough as far as that goes, but it's that's what's been a lot of fun of the learning side of things and mm-hmm. and doing that definitely.
3: And I think I mean to Pat Trent's back, you know, in the in the last six months of what, you know, when he he found out he's gonna do the Sig Hunter games, like he put his mind to it, spent a ton of time behind the gun, went to a lot of different people had a lot of experience, picked their brain and try to like understand why and what everyone's doing, and then kinda of, like has developed his own shooting system that really was cool to see when he rolled in. You know, you talked about the first match in Montana and it was pretty humbling. Oh, yeah, and practice. then and then going into the next match, shooting a six five. You know there there was a definite difference in your confidence level high, and you got top shooter both days. Out of I don't know how many people like it was a. What are some it, of
0: the takeaways Trent, from that journey?
1: Come on, my biggest takeaway was, and Cody kind of mentioned it a little bit too. Is I did I went and shot with like James Nash and and uh, some of the uh, Peter. Peter. I went down and and shot with them at that big competition. Uh, Peter Howe, great great shooter, and they each taught me different things. It might've even been the same stuff, but I learned differently from them. And I would, I would say that's, that's one thing is like, and it goes back to ethics, right? Everybody's range, longest range is probably different. Everybody's, you know, comfortability quote unquote is probably different, but I took all that stuff from different people and put it into what, how I wanted to kind of shoot. And then, and then it goes from that into like a team thing. So you guys talked about shooting as a team Trevor and I have kind of been shooting as a team a little bit, and you start to actually, it's, it's the same kind of thing when we elk hunt. Like, if it's me and Cody and Steven Trevor, we know each other's movements. We know ex- what the guy's going to do, what if he's going to move forward, what he's going to call. We know exactly what your role is in the situation. In the situation, yeah. And so it's kind of taken that whole side of things and put it into a rifle situation where we're starting to get to where it's just like did you see that yeah i saw it the splash was half a frame off i need to hold over you know whatever half a minute or whatever it might be and so it's it's kind of fun because it's a whole new kind of team aspect of the of shooting and and it's not you know bow hunting
3: i think like for what i've noticed with trent it's developed the process versus just like pull up and range and then get down and get in the gun and do all that it is like a step-by-step process from the beginning to end doesn't matter like every time you come to acquire a target it's in that same routine and then it's the everyone knows their roles right as a spotter yeah he's he's given wind call he's he's going through that function as shooter your function is to know your dope be in the gun ready yep send it and um and then the communication factor using those same words every single time so When it, you know, he talks frame, you know, some people are like, well, what's frame? Instead of saying 10 inches, you're taking a reference of the target. You know, that that target, you have a given deal. Instead of saying, oh, that's 12 inches, like you have a reference of what that is in your scope. Okay, I need to hold another frame of that over, Mm -hmm. you know, and just using some of those terms and understanding that as a team is what's successful, especially, you know, long range calling those shots.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's one thing. You know, we hit on like the the binoculars with range finders and ballistics built into it. That's really neat is when you're hunting with somebody, your binos are programmed for you and your rifle. But you can easily hand those to somebody and they don't need to know what rifle you're shooting or what dope or anything like that. Yeah. But it's just like they're over your shoulder and they're telling you 4.3 MOA. Oh, yeah. he moved. It's 4.5 or whatever. Right. And it's all calibrated to your system. They don't know anything about it, but the well, data is there. It's, just...
1: it's slick. It's crazy how the technology has just really, really gone to the next level. Yeah. But we good on the record, Cody. Yep. Sweet. Well, guys, what more do you want to tackle on this? Good talk. Let's good just talk. go
0: more, do some rifle hunts, and we'll talk again. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. That's <laughs> what like I'm it. thinking. <laughs> Steve already
1: said he was going to, what were you doing next year? Were you gonna take us to Mexico? Is that oh yeah, yeah. So you that you said that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. 340 yeah. or bus. Right? Yeah, 340 bus to New
2: Mexico. Yeah, I'll pay for that. No problem. What would be your dream rifle hunt? Dream rifle hunt. Dream rifle hunt. I always wanted to go kill Marco Polo sheep. Um, and then I was in my, I dreamed of it, and then I like somewhere in my early 20s saw the cost of it, and I was like, oh yeah, that's never gonna happen.
1: What does it cost?
2: I think it's 40 grand, 50 Isn't grand. Really? Yeah. It's it's not cheap.
3: yeah, it's like flying
2: over Kyrgyzstan or whatever. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. What's your dream bow hunt?
2: Hmm. Um. Right now, I want to go kill a big old moose with a bow. Yeah. Yeah. I've got. I've got like a, a customer friend of mine sent me a picture he took of a beautiful picture of a moose, and I hung it up in my bedroom, and I see that every day, and like I. Literally just visualize an arrow zipping through its vitals. <laughs> like, every time I see it, I just see that arrow zipping Target through its vitals. Target tip or broadhead? What are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking
1: about? Mark, dream uh, rifle hunt.
0: Uh, I've always kept dream hunts like try to be achievable, right? Like Marco Polo or pick right. something crazy exotic or go do a stone or something like that would right. be amazing. But to me, one of the more like achievable quote-unquote dream hunts is I just want to go hunt mountain goat uh either in I'm bc same. or kodiak like it's the same one same top one. of the list uh, in terms yeah. of something like i'm actually going to execute not just dream about type right. thing um and honestly, i think for bow it probably would be moose there's just something about that big of an animal and that encounter um and getting close and, and doable right and doable yeah, doable. yeah. 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 so to me it, it's fun to dream about exotics or whatever but i like to keep my uh my bucket list, something that I'm actually going to do and not just think about. So that's the list. Cody, um, dream rifle.
3: Well, we kind of, we, we talked about the, I don't even know if it's feasible to bow hunt. So I know it is rifle is go over to Mongolia or, or, uh, Kazakhstan for the morals. Those Asian, Asian elk or Asian. You're elk. Not to bow I know. Cause there's like, it's, yes and no i don't know. i know in russia you can't have a bow or bring a bow in and it, like you come in through that so but you can bring a gun or you have to beat. yeah no yeah it's weird it's super weird um and i've never any of the information i've ever seen is nothing with bow hunting it's always rifle but they're bugling and you've got a gun in your hand like pretty awesome um so huh. that that would be one for the gun i i mean honestly too like the kodiak blacktail that we're going to do in november is is definitely been always on the list i always thought it was going to for me the first time was going to be an august mm-hmm. alpine hunt with a bow and so this is a a cool thing uh, are you bowing it no gun you're gonna rifle yep yeah because we're also going to shoot ducks and, and fish. fish on that trip and catch crab and catch crab so of course yeah wouldn't you? it's <laughs> like the fin Fishies. feather fur right yeah yeah do yeah, that truly. um for bow get an arizona elk tag and like one of the top units yeah. like that i um, mm. just to be in a place where it's just the most insane, unbelievable elk hunt in my life, have a bow in my hand. That was pretty that, special. Uh, that, yeah, Steve. I mean, Steve's tag was, yeah. it was definitely, like, a a lifetime
2: in that. How how does that change for you? Like, you know, I, I know you guys, like, a 320 bull walks in, but you're in a unit, you're supposed to kill a 350, 360 bull. Like, It didn't,
3: I, I mean, for, uh, like, I wasn't a tag holder, so I didn't have the pressure per se or like the decision-making factor of it for us it was freaking awesome so it's like well that was cool we got to go see that we got to experience it we didn't kill it let's go on to the next one because we don't know what the next one's going to be like there was no let zero letdown from our aspect of calling and being there and filming Mm. um i think tag holder might be a different scenario like that that definitely could you know wear on a guy of like ah am i making the wrong choice by not shooting that And I think at the overall of it, it's, like, you just have to have the expectations of, like, if you're after the biggest bull of your life, you may not kill a bull on that tag. And, you know, is that, are you okay with that? Or, you know, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. We may face some of that this year, you know, what Steve and I
2: have for tags.
1: It'll be really interesting. And and honestly, you think, I mean, especially in hunting in a group, I think, like, we have been for most of our adult lives, you know, and, and the same group that we have we've always been saving up these points. There's something honestly, in the back of my mind that says, is this good or bad? You know, right. is this going to go, this could either go really, really, really awesome or, or it could go kind of bad. I mean, honestly, yeah. because we've always been opportunistic. We never passed up anything in our lives. And then you get to this whole thing. Well, how big is that? You know? And, and then it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, you only have one tag. Are you going to shoot it? Or are you going to not shoot it? And then it's, you know, as uh, like in Steve's, in, in Steve's scenario last year, or year before last, it was like, don't let me shoot anything under 320. Well, who's, you know, how am I, dad? Dad? <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah. And it just went, it just kind of was, I'm not saying it went bad at all, but at the same time, there was definitely some emotions there that we'd never dealt with before. Yeah. Yeah. When you have a big tag, it's different. Yeah. It's, it's totally different, so. Mm. That's why I have a big tag with a gun. <laughs> 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 then we can really look it over instead of going. It's coming in at forty yards. Crest side now. Crest the tree line. Ah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So, no. This has been awesome, guys. Um, anything else? Closing arguments. Just excited. I mean,
3: it's it's kind of weird, you know. Like after Fourth of July, I was like, oh, it's fall is coming, and then. Like after this week doing Elk Week podcast. Like if you guys miss that, you gotta go check out Hunt Back Country's podcast series that they did with us. Um, it was like holy crap, we are inside a month right now. Like actually today, I think what is today,
2: twenty eighth? Twenty eighth.
3: Yeah, we're we're thirty days from season. So
2: Yeah. <sighs> exciting. Start getting the gear organized and get ready to get out there. Yeah.
1: When's October twenty twenty
2: fifth? Twenty fifth, I
1: think. Fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. I'm a little ways inside of season, getting closer. Well, you know. <laughs> 56 days. As all of our units are shut down right now, it's a pretty darn good year to have a rifle tag. <laughs> 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 pretty good choice. Oh, no. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this, Mark. Uh, Steve, thank you guys so much for being on another one with us. So, Thank you. It was fun. All right, guys. We'll see you.